Tips from Trestle is brought to you by The Belter Companies, Navigator Group Purchasing, and E-Menu Choice Point of Sale. Welcome to Tips from Trestle, the Senior Living Food and Hospitality Podcast. This podcast explores the senior living industry with a unique focus on food, hospitality, and the community experience. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. During three decades in the hospitality industry, I focused my work on creating exceptional experiences for the customers we serve. My goal for this podcast? Educate, inform, and inspire leaders in senior living. Al by creating hospitality with a purpose, by bringing the customer experience to the front of mind in our industry. We should bring the passionate spirit of food and hospitality to everything that we do and everyone we serve each and every day. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Today on Tips from Trestle, I'm joined by Matt Perez. Matt has enjoyed a career that has taken him to some of the most sought-after destinations in the world. He is currently the National Director of Dining Operations for NBK Senior Living. In his role, he supports and leads the dining strategic direction for the company, additionally supporting each community's culinary and service programs to create a best-in-class resident experience. Matt's prior roles included VP of Hospitality at Vineyard Luxury Communities, National Director of Dining at Kisco Senior Living, Principal of Fork Fusion Consultants and Executive Chef Partner at TS Restaurants. Matt was educated at the highly regarded CIA at Greystone in Napa Valley, and over the years has honed his skills working with some of the country's best known restaurateurs, including Chris Costantino, Jordan Kahn, and Adam Fleischman. In Hawaii, Matt had the privilege of serving under Hawaii Regional Cuisine founder Peter Merriman. Matt, thanks for coming back on Tips from Trestle. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Wonderful to see you. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, as we were kind of preparing for today that, that really caught my eye was this idea of building community and using food around it. And I know that that's something that uh, you work really hard on uh, and something that we know is invaluable um, as we look at senior living communities. And so um, I wanted to get your take on that topic and uh, kind of just talk a little bit about that. And so um, from knowing that you, I mean, your job as a national director is you're kind of setting the strategy for your company. How do you approach the role of food in building community among residents? Yeah, I, I really love this question. Um, you know, I, I oftentimes will describe myself as, as healthfully obsessed in terms of being a foodie, <laughs> right? Right. Um, you know, food, and this is ultimately why uh, I do what I do and what really motivates me is the experience factor. Yeah. And um, food is such a wonderful medium that brings people together. So I think starting with your purpose around what are your expected outcomes? What experiences are you trying to create with food? Um, and, and then kind of unpacking it with your teams from there. But I think some of my success has been um, I get pretty fired up about food and I think that I have a tendency <laughs> to get others fired up about food. So yeah. I think that's a good starting place. Yeah. You know, uh, I know during my time, you know, when I in operations for different, you know, 
operators. It, that was always something that was a struggle for me, not because of where me and my team were at, but it was more on the community level, getting buy-in from all the various chefs. And so um, is it, give us an example of a time when you saw kind of this all come together um, in a really meaningful way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think inclusivity and collaboration happens when the team at large feels purpose, right? I think something that I do to daily motivate um, and I'm continuously focused on is encouraging collaboration from the entire team. Um, I do not want to create a landscape where I'm creating ideas and pushing them down to the community level and then they become kind of Matt's corporate ideas. That doesn't sound yeah. like very much fun, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, in the past, we've created these wonderful committees where we get together and we'll do food competitions and we'll innovate and we'll do R&D together in kind of a communal communal type environment. Um, an example of that is we're doing something. Um, it's kind of a world tour this year. We're going by region and we're bringing together executive directors. We're bringing together the, the directors of dining services and their teams. And we're doing everything from cooking plant-based foods together. Um, you know, we're talking about some of the hard conversations about being great leaders. Um, and that has worked really well from a collaboration and adoption side of things. Um, so again, the, you know, kind of together is powerful and doing things in one space, um, you know, whether that be R&D of menus um, or working with farmers out in the field and talking about tomatoes, um, those things really work to get that deeper purpose and meaning for them to help me drive some of my vision. Yeah. And I love the fact that you mentioned executive directors and engaging them in the process. Well, we all know how busy they can be doing the day-to-day -day in the communities, but I know that for any great program, even if it is, you know, developed by the boots on the ground teams, um, if the executive director is not engaged and not a part of it, its success goes way down. And so mm -hmm. being able to include them, I think is such a valuable piece um, to the process. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. There's been um, some instances this year where, um, you know, maybe perhaps I was, uh, uh, I've created some, some prickly instances where EDs will tell me, Aaron, you know, I know dining, I know when food looks good, I know when food is bad, but please don't make me put on a chef coat and go in there. And my little light bulb goes off. I said, well, I'm definitely making you go in there now, right? <laughs> and yes. uh, yeah, the, the, the ED is so powerful. They're the business leader. And I have such respect for all of them because, you know, they've they, their job is difficult. But dining is the largest participated activity in all of our communities. And yeah. them being passionate foodies and driving excellence, it's it's contagious. And it gets our chefs and our directors pretty fired up. Yeah, no, such an important piece of the puzzle, getting those directors involved. So, you know, we've kind of, you talked a little bit about getting your, your frontline teams engaged. Um, how do you engage the residents, right? You know, we want to think about this. We always straddle that line of, okay, it's the resident's home, but when we provide the meals and the service, we need it to be elevated more than just a, a home-cooked meal, right? Because we've got a lot of competition out there. We're trying to set ourselves apart and we know food does that. Um, and so when you think about personal preferences, when you think about the variety of cultural backgrounds from residents in your communities, how does, 
how do you incorporate all of that into the menus and dining experiences that you want to create at MPK? Today, I want to tell you about one of Trestle's senior living partners, Belter. Belter is a food service design, equipment, and supply company that has been providing expert guidance to the food and beverage industry for nearly a century. A strategic partner to the most successful food service operations in the country, Belter provides support in kitchen and bar design, equipment procurement and install, and supplies. Their team of senior living food service experts have experience across the continuum of care. From independent living to skilled nursing and CCRCs, Belter specializes in right-sizing new facilities, modernizing remodels, and providing the right food service equipment and supplies. At Belter, they are committed to creating memorable experiences for their customers and their guests. With their top-notch team and a global network of quality supplier partners, their customer-focused approach is built on a foundation of collaboration and decades of industry experience. So thank you for considering Belter for all of your food service needs. Yeah, wonderful question. Um, you know, I think something that we're exploring right now is a new and creative idea to really promote their home, right? Their menu, their preferences, us ensuring things that are on the menu are things that they want to eat, things that they want to experience. Um, so we're working right now to order some chef coats for our resident-led committees where they're in our bistros and they lead the cooking activity with the, each other. We participate and we kind of prompt them with, what would you like to see on the menu? Share with us family recipes. So, um, Aaron, we get these old dust-laden type recipe books with <laughs> handwritten recipes out in the bistro. And we've got, you know, these elders who are so passionate about sharing their cherry pie recipe or pot pie or whatever their favorite item is. And I think from an observation standpoint, there's such a, a mutual respect there where your customer sees that you care enough to one, order some chef coats and yeah. make them part of the food committee. Yeah. Um, but, but you're really there from an inclusive nature. And you're saying, we, we want to cook what you want. We want to make you happy from a satisfaction standpoint. Let's do it together. And then all residents in that committee are showing to the remainder of the resident population um, that are observing, hey, they're listening to us. Um, you know, I think that that part speaks volume. So that's something new we've been working on. And then kind of the second part that I want to know is really my focus this year on ensuring our leaders in dining are present during all meal periods. So with some partners that, uh, you know, we've created some audit checklists and things of this nature, but mm -hmm. they're encouraged to be on the floor. And, and the art of the table touch is kind of an in-service that we're currently doing. But yes. the art of actually participation is this undertone that we're focused on where um, the table touch is wonderful, right? Aaron, good afternoon. How are you enjoying your meatloaf? that feels good. Can I bring you anything else? That's wonderful. But the second layer that I love is, hey, Aaron, do you mind if I join you for a few minutes? And you actually sit down and have a cup of coffee and enjoy the meatloaf with Aaron and say, what is your favorite part? Or you create these really meaningful connections around the experience factor, moreover than just the table touch itself. So a couple of ways we're, we're, we're kind of dynamically thinking about how to influence some change there. Yeah, the I you know one of the pieces, and this is something I talk about all the time, is 
differentiating between that transactional hospitality and that relational hospitality and being able to connect with residents, being able to, uh, you know, almost relate to them on their level, which you kind of were doing with that, the no better way to describe it than like the elevated table touch, right? Like it's you're mm-hmm. literally joining them. Um, I've always found that doing something like that is going to get you way more information. Yeah, maybe you talk to less residents, but you probably get way more information out of it in the same amount of time spent. So yeah, I think it's such a, a really great way to engage residents and to really build that connection with them for sure. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, talking about all this, I want to kind of shift maybe a little bit to a little bit higher level, broader thinking about this and, and kind of get your 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 take on how food culture and the role of food um looks going forward in our communities right we're talking about the changing demographics uh, of senior living we know that boomers are, are coming we've got to figure out a way to get those boomers in earlier you know to our communities to be able to enjoy and you know help those census numbers as well and i think food is a great place to do that so what are some things that you're seeing as you talk with some of our peers out in the industry and, and you connect with them at conferences and, and things? Um, what do you guys, what do you see uh, happening in that area? Yeah, yeah. You know, this one really tickles me because it, it's a good look ahead at how we measure the satisfaction of things we do, right? To say it very simply. Um, and to kind of unpack that, right, we're asking our customer at least once a year, oftentimes more, how are we doing, right, from a food standpoint, hospitality and service, grade us, tell us, how do you feel we're doing? And using those metrics, kind of taking those from a sight line and thinking, how do we address them? How does our customer really feel that we are augmenting our business and our approach with the intent of keeping them happy? And I can really summarize it very simply that flexibility will be paramount. Where, say, for example, you have a resident, and and just kind of pause there, right? Here's the filter. Our residents come to the same restaurant three times a day, seven days a week for the rest of their life. And I know that's a little bit much, but I really try to overlay that filter as a good guiding principle for how we approach it. And, um, you know, we've got formal restaurants where there's tablecloths and that's the experience desired. Um, But I don't want to eat all my meals that way. There may be some meals where I want to sit outside under an umbrella and all I want to do is eat eight hour slow roasted rosemary almonds with sea salt and drink a cup of coffee. We need to have that. So there is this really um, intent focus by myself and I think some of my peers on how do we become even more flexible? So all day dining menus, yes, check, have to have those. Yeah. A well-defined and elegant in-room dining experience, yes, check. Those have become tickets to play. But I think ultimately, how do we provide even more versatility and flexibility in our programs? And that may be bringing external in. So think um community within community where we're finding really, really great notable community chefs to come in cook their food in a pop-up type environment and interface with our customer. Um, And then also kind of external helping our customer to go back to some of those memories they've had in some of their favorite restaurants. So maybe we can't put them on the bus and take them everywhere, but we can definitely explore a pop-up type idea 
where yeah. we bring the old fresco Italian small little table type experience to our community. So um, flexibility, very, very important. And then ultimately, just as we start thinking about um, available food sources, we've really dug in this year from a wellness approach to think about um, nutrient density and the wholesomeness of food choices that we're putting on our menus. Um, that part has become, you know, kind of a critical flexibility point as we look forward also. Yeah. On that last one that I know that people talk about like farm to table and there are times when that can be really hard to do with it in any operation, unless it's, you know, you've got that kind of set menu and you can, you can change it and, and adjust it. Do you find that that's something that you're incorporating or is this really more of working with your distributors to say, hey, we want to get this kind of feel. We want to do this this way. What can you offer and what can you bring to the table? Is it a combination of that or, or how does that work? Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think a great question. I think it's a combination, right? I think, again, kind of back to how we started. When, when you are really driven by food, right? I mean, I hate to admit this, but I go to sleep thinking about food and I wake up <laughs> thinking about food, right? And, um, you know, the, the broadliners of the world are always going to be instrumental in helping us be successful. But, you know, I think it's very necessary to have, and this kind of goes back to that community within community type um, logic, that you need to have local produce vendors. I, I, I envision, so... Huntington Terrace, we have, um, you know, in the in the Orange County area, not far from here, and they've got an asparagus farm called Smith Farms. And Chef and I were talking, how do we go down and befriend that farmer and say on the bottom of the menu, this asparagus is from less than five miles away. So I think that that artisan, we need to have the farmer part of what we do is very necessary. Um you know, we can still continue to buy our romaine lettuce from Cisco and Fresh Point and things like that. But I think it has become really necessary to explore uber local. You know, yeah. I think maybe you and I have even talked about this in the past. But um, as I'm leading and, and kind of talking through this subject, I use a story or a desire that I that I really want to have happen. It's called the five minute salad where we've got our chef gardens in the community yes. and there's one night of the week where everything on that salad and on that plate has come from five minutes away, not five miles, but five minutes. We went out and we clipped everything and we are featuring the five minute salad. So I think it really um, draws a highlight to the importance of community within community and bringing Uber local to you. So you can help to tell that story of wellness. And, and then just to boot, those artisan approach um, ingredients that we're going to procure, whether it be asparagus or, or or fill in your favorite vegetable, the nutrient density there is that much better because in yeah. that type of environment, it's smaller, it's more artisan. You don't have to deal with the monocropping type thing. Um, you've got higher, you know, vitamins and and things like that per per proportion kind of thing. So, a couple of things we're thinking about and what we're doing. Yeah, no the the idea, you know, I for many years, we're trying to work through and figure out how to do the community garden piece, right? And uh, I think it's important what you're saying about that local person has to, the chef or the dining director has to have the buy-in that this is something we're gonna do. Um, because I it was more successful when I was the hands-on director than when I was the corporate director. Um, but from an engagement standpoint, from a connection to your food, doing something like that is going to literally overnight kind of change the way people look at what you're doing 
Um, yes. and I and I love the fact that you're taking this. It's a we're going to drop it in here approach as opposed to well, we're going to you know, what a lot of people seem to to think of when they think farm to table is like well, we got to do the whole menu that way or we got to figure out how to feature something every single day or whatever. And I, and I think to your point of dropping it in, that makes it unique. That lets you create that that kind of sustainable feel and it, it kind of makes an event out of it as well. A Navigator is the largest full service GPO that exclusively focuses on the senior living community. And what that means is we provide products and services that help our members provide a great environment for their residents, such as like MRO, hospitality equipment, food, business products, as well as technology solutions. We actually surround our members with a level of support unmatched in the industry. Yes, agreed. Agreed, and, and you know, you and I both know this, but I'm never gonna talk the fried chicken eater out of being a fried chicken eater, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. The, the menus that were, yeah, the menus we engineer, there has to be something there for everybody. And, yeah. you know, definitely have to have the gluten-freeze and the vegans and the vegetarians and such and such. But, you know, we've really moved to a position of it doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be all of it. It's the genius of the and. It can be the fried chicken and the green beans that we're featuring are from our local farm. Um, you know, it could be the meatloaf and the grilled asparagus are from right down the road. So it's, it's kind of this opportunity to explore local, promote local, and still have that menu that feels good and is well represented to that kind of world approach that residents really so desire. Yeah. And it fits really well into the first thing you mentioned, which was the flexibility, right? Because you can drop something in, you maybe could do something daily, but maybe drop it into the different menus. Like if you've got a, a, a bistro cafe outlet, well, Maybe your five-minute salad is featured there. And then in the main dining room, you're featuring some, you know, a local uh, meat vendor or whatever. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that's something that the one thing that you mentioned made me think of a project I'm working on is that finding something that people can relate to um, that maybe is kind of a throwback. You know, we're, we're working on a project where there was a very well-known, like, establishment back in the, the late 60s, early 70s in a college town. And so this community is connected with the university um, with a lot of the programming they do. And so we're working on developing that kind of recreating that concept and reviving it for those residents that remember it. And so I think what you're talking about is very much what operators should be looking at and doing. Um, and it's great to hear that you guys are like right there on the, the cutting edge in front of it. So um, kind of as we come to the end of our time here, I. I wanted to ask you, and you probably dropped some nuggets along the way that answers this, but if you were going to be advising some of our other, you know, some of the competitors, other operators out there who are wanting to use food as a tool to build community and connection, well, what would be some of the, the suggestions you'd make? What advice would you give them to try and do it and be mm -hmm. successful in the long run with it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. You know, I think, I have to note the obvious that the world that we're operating in now is is just generally different. And um, as we as providers grow, um, talent continues to be our focus. And um, I think every single provider wants top talent, especially at the executive chef and director level. Yeah. And um, there's only so many of them out there. And I think that, 
you know, having great leaders is is necessary and great leaders make more leaders. Right. So some of the my famous, you know, kind of my favorite stories are I hired a dishwasher and now he's an executive director. And how do we repeat that? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the responsible next step is having a really well-defined training program. So you can't, um, you know, talk yourself out of this. Um, you know, I have to have all these experienced people right off the street to help me deliver my obsession with food. You, you have to hire the heart, train the head type thing. Yeah. And, and I know that, that that's probably something that's very intuitive, but it's it's necessary today. We're, we're seeing even more people come to us that have no senior living experience and there's a general learning curve and some servers that say I worked at McDonald's and I'm used to just putting food in a tray and pushing a button. How do I get healthfully obsessed about grilling asparagus correctly? Um, so training really, really important. And, um, you know, kind of in that same lane as an undertone, there has to be a really clear succession path for them. So they start as a cook. They need to know if I watch this video or if I take this test or I have this accreditation, my next step is sous chef. And then after that, it's executive chef and so forth and so on. And then you almost have to, you know, attach the pay rate to each. So there's yeah. this, I feel like I'm going to stay put. I, I feel valued. Um, my my feedback and my contributions are, are needed and wanted. Then I think the food part becomes easy because if you buy great food, You've got a bunch of foodies cooking it and thinking about it and engineering it. And then you overlay this, um, you know, just really well-trained team. You're unstoppable. Now, I, I know that's not, you know, innovative in its approach, but I think it's a necessary call out. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I, I would say I would say that for our industry, that might be more innovative than you think, because I know I, in the past I've tried to create and build programs like that. And it was always hard to find examples of other operators looking and doing that. You know, there's always been the shift differential, right? Like if you work the overnight, maybe you get an extra 50 cents or a dollar an hour or whatever. But there was never, at least that I found, anyone who was looking at a program like what you're talking about that actually implemented it and executed it. I think it's going to be a, a thing that has to be done, especially when you think about like retention for employees, you know. This younger generation mm -hmm. wants meaning, they want purpose. I mean, if they love food and we can create that for them in our communities, they're going to stick around. So I think a program mm -hmm. like that is definitely, I think you're, you're probably more innovative than you're giving yourself credit for. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I, look, it's it's uh, as simple as like building a house, right? You can't put the walls up before you've got a great foundation. And I think that, you know, some of these elements they're important, you know, I mean, I'd love to talk about the innovation side of things and, you know, exploring robots and automation and, and integrations between all of our technology. That's also very needed. But I think, um, you know, we, we've had some great time um, this week together as a team in our leadership retreat. And a lot of it was um, kind of the nucleus of the, the, the round nature of who you take care of first in that, in that ex, uh, example, right? Is it your customer or is it your team? And I think that ultimately you, you naturally want to focus on the customer first, right? But right. I really like to think about it as your team is what deserves the most care and nurturing up front. Because if you've got an engaged, passionate work team, they're going to take care of the customer. And, and this is another example of the back to basics. It takes care of the team and gives them purpose.
Yeah, no, that's definitely something I did a webinar literally early this week where that was something we talked about. Of You've got to invest in the team. You've got to build the team because especially at the director level, yeah, you're touching and talking to the residents and customers, but you're really spending more time on them. It's so invaluable for people to know that. So, well, Matt, we're in the time as usual. It just flew by. So, um, Thanks again for joining me again on Tips from Trestle. This has been an amazing conversation and um, best of luck with some of these programs you're rolling out. I'm, I'm excited to watch you put them in place. Absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much for the opportunity, the time. Wonderful to connect with you again. Thank you. So there you have it. Another one in the books. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Please follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Tips from Trestle. You can also learn more about the work I do by following me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. And be sure to check out Trestle Hospitality Concepts at www.trestlehospitalityconcepts.com. I'm your host, Aaron Fish, and this has been another episode of Tips from Trestle.